Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche Podcast, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app out there. I am your host, Rudo, joined as always by AJ Hayfley. And some news today coming out of the NHL, where they are starting to get into the announcements of the awards around the league and everything. Some they're giving out, some they're just announcing finalists. Bobby Ryan, first of all, won the Masterton Trophy, and then... Joe Sackick, excuse me, uh, was snubbed a bit in not making the top three finalist GMs for GM of the Year award, uh, losing out to Breezebot, Nil, and Lamorello, that being Dallas, Tampa Bay, and the New York Islanders. AJ, uh, we were talking about it a little bit on the show before the show, and we can get into it deeper here, but I just cannot see any justification <clears throat> for Joe Sackick not at least making the final three. Yeah, I'm like this is always an this is always an award that they give to teams that do well. Yep. You know, kind of kind of like how uh the 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 coach of the year usually goes to uh is usually like those candidates are usually pulled from teams that we didn't think were very good who overperformed and so the coaching the coach must have done an exceptional job, right? Right. So <clears throat> it's it's disappointing to see when you actually go back and you look at the body of work of what those GMs actually did. It's and just you're not like, that much. Yeah. <laughs> this is what it takes to be GM of the year. It, I mean, so so what you're telling me is that what it takes to be GM of the year is your team makes the conference finals, regardless much. of whether or not you do anything. As all three of the announced finalists, our teams in the conference final, um, which I mean, first off, let's, let's start with Tampa Bay because I think this one is the most straightforward one. They basically did the minimum possible in the off season. And, and over the course of the season, they made, I guess, two deadline acquisitions really. Yeah. And, and that was a team that was already stacked. Yeah. Like Julian Breezebaugh did not have to build this team. Right. He didn't have to do much at all. Like he had to, he had to, <clears throat> he had to navigate some murky cap problems. Uh, you know, Braden Point didn't sign until like late September. Um, but otherwise, his offseason consisted of signing his own guys, uh, which includes Braden Point eventually. Uh, plucking Kevin Shattenkirk off the scrap heap, uh, Pat Maroon off the scrap heap, and signing Zach Bogosian in the springtime whenever he got healthy and got cut loose. Yeah, that was that the was off season. And then he, he trades a first for Barkley Goodrow at the deadline, who, by the way, Barkley Goodrow, just for reference, two points in eight regular season games, three points in 14 playoff games so far, giving up a first-round yeah. pick for that guy. Um, yeah, and and a and a first round pick for Blake Coleman. That too. Uh, a little bit uh, more to show for that one. Eight points in fourteen playoff games there, so uh, had some has some more value to them so far throughout these this playoff run. But 
the there's not any major moves here. There are not any franchise altering moves in Tampa Bay's season. Yeah, and I mean, you could even argue Tampa Bay did. I mean, that that Breathwa did more than Jim Nill did. <laughs> they Jim Nill signed old guys though. Everybody yeah. loves old guys. Yeah. Whether or not they were super impactful or not, I guess. That being Pavelski and Corey Perry, and I believe Sekera as well, correct? Yep. Were the three yep. big signings for them. That was it, and nothing at the deadline. Yeah. Absolutely that was it. Nothing. That's literally all the stars did outside of re-sign some of their own guys. I don't get it. I'm, I mean, like, this isn't... This isn't a thing that I'm going to freak out about. You know, like this isn't sure, like a, sure. a big soapbox to get up on and, and shout from the top of about the great injustices. But like, this is stupid. It just from a, I guess it's not statistical, but when you're taking an analysis standpoint of these GMs, <clears throat> you have Dallas stars who made the conference final, but their additions were Joe Pavelski. Who's been solid Corey Perry. Who's arguably not been bad. kind of bad. Yeah, and then Andre Sekera, who's been a defenseman that exists, compared to Joe Sakic, who in the off season completely built essentially a second line and trading massive, massive trade for Nazem Kadri, signing Jonas yeah. Donskoy, signing Andre Burakovsky after trading for him as well. Well, one year deal, whatever. Gets Andre Burakovsky as well. Even adds Pierre Edward Belmar to his bottom six. Pulls, I mean, pulls well, Valentushkin yeah. off the scrapping and has Nemestikov for a fourth round pick. Yep. Which would you rather have, Barclay Goudreau for a first rounder or Nemestikov for a fourth? It's not a hard answer for me. Nemestikov, who arguably did not play well for much of the playoffs, had five points in 12 games. More offensively effective than Barclay Goudreau has been. So, I. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't understand where the logic in is putting, especially Jim Nill in over Joe Sackick, but honestly, uh, Breezeball either. Yeah, well, and it's not like Lou Lamorello with the uh, with the Isles did a ton. Yeah, he didn't. I wouldn't say he went out and star studded his lineup, but you know, he at least made a couple moves. Went out and got yeah. himself a goaltender. There were some there were some decisions made. A lot of it was re-signing guys. Um last summer, you know, last summer alone, they they re they re-upped um Nelson Everlay, Anders Lee, Anthony yeah. Bovillier. Anders Lee, the big conversation there. Yeah. Well, and and I mean Everlay was a five year deal too. Like that was a pretty big you know, Brock Nelson was a six-year deal. Like there was, those were they spent a lot of money last summer uh, just to keep guys intact. And yeah. I guess you could say that that turned out to be a good idea because those guys have all been key players yeah, in, in their the conference runs. finals. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and then and then yeah, he did sign Barley, um, but after but after that, the only other really like big impact move was the uh, JG Pajot trade and subsequent signing. What another? long-term contract there <laughs> yeah i mean this team's the this islanders team is like locked in for the next several years you look at their cap sheet and there's there's not a whole lot of room um they also got andy green from uh new jersey and 
at the time it looked like like oh Lou loves old guys so yeah. he has somebody to talk to but Andy Green's found the fountain of youth during the postseason he's been really good multiple playoff goals and he hadn't scored one in something like 10 years before this season or something like that ridiculous yeah. but it, yeah it it was interesting to see how little the three finalist GMs actually did I guess compared to Joe Sackick who overhauled a significant portion of his lineup going into this season. Yeah. And Derek Broussard was also an Isles deal. Yeah, that's true. Who, which worked out pretty well for them. Yeah. But I mean, we're still talking, we're still talking like uh, of the ones that are on there. Lamarillo bothers me the least because he actually did things. Right. If, if he was a finalist, I'm not going to, like complain about that, but seeing yeah. Nil and Breezebaugh in over Sackick just doesn't make any sense to me. So. Yeah, well, and and like Sekera and Perry were like cheap deals that were like depth moves. Yeah. Great. Not like, those really are those are essentially, opinion. you know, this is also the, the Jim Nil's also the same guy who bought out Val Nachushkin and watched him go to Colorado, basically. Yeah, Yeah. go to go to a uh, a division Division. rival, and resurrect his career. And so it's like, should you get dinged for that? For letting that guy go, maybe. Yeah, Yeah. for for paying that guy to go away. (laughs) They paid more money for that guy to go away than the Avs did for his season. So, you know, I'm. I don't know. I and the, the whole point of this is the second got got snubbed. Yep. And we're not. I would say that we haven't made a history on our show of stunting for a whole bunch of abs to win every single award that they're up for. Yeah. Like when Nathan McKinnon wins the Lady Bang, it's going to be an absolute joke. I think we've actually actively argued against him winning that one. <laughs> so. <clears throat> yeah. Well, that's. I mean, that one is absurd. Yeah. That one is absurd. But yeah, outside of Kale McCarr, I don't know that we've argued much for any of the Avs straight up winning an award. Yeah. I will say after the postseason, when Nathan McKinnon doesn't win the heart, it's going to feel bad. Bad, but not surprising. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. But it's going to, it's going to feel worse than had they announced that at the beginning of the playoffs. True. Because watching what happened with Panarin and, uh, dry side all it was like you done disappeared folks <laughs> like oh you guys you guys were in the bubble for a week thanks for coming and nathan mckinnon doing wayne gretzky thing goes off like, yeah. yeah like just straight up just goes off in the playoffs and it was like damn it <laughs> why does this have to be a regular season award yeah but, um oh well. so it's part of the problem with this GM of the year award is that there's no real substance to how you win it. Like it's just a bunch of vagary when it comes to the voting. I don't even know who votes on this. I don't either, but it, what, how do you make this award better? How do you prevent this award from being, well, these teams won games. So them. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess you just have to you have to give the voters a better <clears throat> you have to give the voters a, a better outline, you know. It because for me, GM of the year should be the guy 
whose body of work over the last offseason, the last calendar year. Yeah. Not including what they did at the draft because like you're, anything affecting it's the, the immediately that has to do with the draft you lucked into anyway. Yeah. Well, and it's in it's like the, there's only like two guys every year who are ever going to get any kind of immediate returns. Right. Exactly. <clears throat> so I think uh I think you just need to have stronger outlines. It needs to be like, hey, there's this calendar year, whatever whatever they do in this calendar year to to build up their team, you know, even if even if that means that you know a 75 point team wins it, but they they take the jump from a 55 point season, you know, that's a huge leap. It should yeah. be acknowledged. A team that, you know, I, I I think stuff like that. Like I'm it shouldn't just be Oh, hey, look, it's the guys who got into the conference finals. Yeah, that why at that what, point, Kelly, Kelly McCrimmon, did he finish fourth on that list? Like, <laughs> that'd be funny. That would be funny. It was the four conference finalists. Um, but right, like a GM at the end of the day, they don't play the hockey. They don't go out there and win the games. They put the team together, and if you're if you're telling me that the best GMs in the league on a yearly given award are rewarded for the team that they already had put together, mm-hmm. then this isn't a yearly award. This is a career service award. This, this is a lifetime achievement award yeah. or a body of body of work award. Exactly. So I don't, and to be honest, it's not like Lou Lamarillo built the majority of that aisles. He rolled up this season and was like, I'm going to make a couple of moves here, (laughs) but I, I don't know. I, the, the voting system, the award system, the NHL is not perfect. It's never going to be perfect. It just feels bad when you see an award that seems like they got it so vastly wrong that they couldn't even put Joe Sackick in the top three. Of GM of the year when Joe Sackett crushed the offseason. Yeah. Easily had the best offseason. Pretty much agreed around the league that the Abs had the best offseason of anyone. I mean, how often do you do you make multiple forays into... Both trading into, and free agency. Yeah, in, into like the big, the blockbuster trade market and free agency and none of those blow up in your face. Like Jonas Donskoy was the closest thing that they had to a disappointment, and and he was fine outside of injuries. Like, yeah, out, outside of his inability to stay healthy, it was fine. Yep. It's it, it, we didn't even talk about the fact that he moved Soderberg out to acquire pieces to help get Andre Burakovsky. Yeah. It it wild to me that there isn't the respect there that he should be in the top three, but Oh, Hey, Bruce Cassidy just won Jack Adams for coaching Boston. Jared Benner finished fifth, finished fifth. Who, who's, yeah. who else is in there? Uh, Bruce Cassidy was first. Elaine Vigneault was second okay. with Philly. John Tortorella third with CBJ. He was my pick. Yeah. I'm okay with towards uh, Craig Berube. St. Louis is fourth. I don't like that one. Dave Tippett of Edmonton was seventh. Hmm. 
Yeah, I, I'm okay with Torts. Cassidy feels like you just picked Boston on that one. I don't know. Barry Trotz finished 14th with one second place vote. That's nonsense. It's funny what the playoffs will do to perception, huh? In the conference finals. Yeah, so Jared Bednar got six first place votes, 18 second place votes, and 12 third place votes. Hmm. It'll be interesting to see uh, who voted for who the where the six came from. About to see everyone on the East Coast vote for Bruce Cassidy. Yeah. Anyway, we do need to take our first period break before we dive into those conversations. So it is time to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Whatever type of beer you want, you can get eight of them down at the DNVR bar. Of course, the Nuggets playing tonight. If you have an RSVP, be sure to sign up and get down there and get your beers. Or if you want to watch from home, you can always get your beer at your local liquor store. Use the beer locator on Breckenridge Brewery's website to find the beer you want and nearest to you. And our main... What's that? No, go ahead. Sorry. Uh Uh-huh. You're just making fun of me over there? I just... The way that it's worded to to find the beer. To find the beer. (laughs) Yeah. It's like my quest in life is to find the beer. Like, like, like your Zelda quest. Yeah, exactly. You get, you get to the bar and it makes the little, the little treasure sound. Yeah. <laughs> I found the beer. Our main sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook, as well, the number one rated sportsbook app out there. Remember to get in and sign up if you haven't yet. They have some amazing no-brainer odds for the start of the football season. If you haven't tried it yet. As long as Kansas City does not lose by 101 points, you can win some money this week. Just put a bet down, and it's basically free money. I'm, I don't know any other way to say it when they do these no-brainers. They're giving away money for you to just take from them. They're also giving away a ton of other events, whether it be their odds boosts or their $100 million in prizes to all users who enter their free football survivor pool. All you have to do is sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook, enter their survivor pool, and you'll get instantly into a share of up to $100 million in giveaways. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to help us out and make sure you get in on the offer. Another deal for you, pick any team to win on week one. Bet $1 to win 100 bucks if they win. That is 100 to 1 odds, folks. You don't get that very often. Week 1, pick your favorite football team. Get the W. Get 100 bucks. Only for a limited time, obviously. Week 1 coming and going very quickly. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by those DraftKings Sportsbook guys. It is dangerous to go out sober. I will take that beer, Aroboros. Thank you very much. AJ, I don't know that there's a huge conversation around the GM or the the coaching award. We kind of already talked about how it's just a a goaltending slash whichever team outperforms their expected award. It's yeah, and Bruce Cassidy was a little different just because the Bruins were great this yeah, year. They were unbelievable in the regular, especially the first half of the year. Yeah. So it's it's harder to extricate what a coach brings as opposed to a GM. Oh, it's 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 so hard. There was there was no joke. There was recently a conversation in my mentions about how Patrick Wall was a better NHL head coach than Jared Bednar. In part because he had won a Jack Adams. 
in 2020. I don't even know what to say about that. That was the biggest twist of 2020 to me. <laughs> that some people still think Wall was a good coach. <laughs> that or at least it was better on, than Bednar. Yeah. yeah, that it was at that level anyway. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, <clears throat> I I was I was blown away by that. Yeah, couldn't couldn't quite believe that myself either. But as we're talking more on GMs in this conversation, the Avs, it's not like they don't have any work to do this offseason. There's there's plenty to do. And as we stated, that starts with in-house stuff. Obviously, Sackick signed Miko Rant to his big deal last season, but he's staring down the barrel of a lot of contracts to get sorted out over the next two-ish months. Yeah, I think today we'll skip the Landeskog Makar conversation. That they are conversations that are interesting <clears throat> ones that we could probably do a whole show about. So yeah, I think I think that's certainly fair. Um, I would say that the <clears throat> just given what we've heard already, um, Landeskog is likelier to be done this offseason than Makar, but um, I've actually heard some positive things about Makar uh, being being willing to sign, which surprises me. If I was Kel Makar, there's no way I would be signing a contract this summer. So, that's interesting. Um, and maybe even a little encouraging. Look, positive things are always something you want to hear. <clears throat> whatever comes of it, you know, yeah. whatever happens, happens. But yeah, and the, but those conversations and realistically, those conversations haven't even happened yet. So, yeah. for sure, I <clears throat> let's start off by crushing our good our good guy Eddie's heart here. AJ, the first contract I want to talk about: Colin okay. Wilson um, is not resigning. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know that Colin Wilson's NHL career is going to continue. Um, Just with what's going on with him right now, um, he's he's just struggled to get back to where he's comfortable, uh, where he can where he can participate, where he can play in the NHL. I mean, the fact that he wasn't even on the Avs roster for the playoffs is pretty telling. I think. Um, I think it was more telling that they didn't even take a look at him at training camp. Fair. It wasn't even a consideration. Yeah. Either way, you know, uh, is a UFA at the end of the season. And even uh, regarding whatever his health has been in the past, even if he was fully healthy, it's really hard to find room on the Avs roster for him. Yeah. Yeah, um, so I think I think we're in agreement that Colin Wilson is uh, cut loose. Yep. So you can uh, you can mark that one down on your bingo cards for the DNVR Avalanche a uh, postseason or I guess off season score. We yeah. got to get bingo cards made, AJ. People can okay. ridicule us when we get everything wrong. They do anyway. They don't need a card. <laughs> True enough. True enough. So with. With IR kind of sorted out there is Colin Wilson, the only one that was majorly on it as far as before all the playoff stuff happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we should uh, we should round out the fringes of the Avs 
contract deals as well. They do have a handful of tweener AHL prospecty types to go through. Uh, starting with the goaltenders, both Hunter Miska, Antoine, well, I guess all three of Hunter Miska, Antoine Bebo, and Michael Hutchinson are Hutchinson and Bebo, UFAs, Miska, RFA at the end of the season. One of them, I think the expectation is, will stay. Uh, the Abs have obviously right now Grubauer, Francos, and then Adam Werner signed to deals. So they mm. do need a fourth goaltender as far as organizationally. But pick your poison, I guess. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I would say that they would probably start with Hutchinson. Yeah. For the experience reasons that they played him. Um, Misko was great for the Eagles last year. And I feel like just in a, in a, in a world of like based on merits, Hunter Miska earned a contract. Like Hunter Miska came in on an, on an AHL deal after things really went sideways for him in Arizona and was great and just got better as the year went on. And, and I just feel, I just feel like, Hey, you, you can feel how you feel about me. Hey, the guy's, not an NHL caliber goalie or, you know, whatever. Right. But it just, it, to me, it just seems like you reward that guy. If you take away the recency bias of Michael Hutchinson winning the abs to playoff games just yeah. last week, Hunter Miska had a gigantic nine twenty four save percentage in the AHL with the Colorado Eagles this year. Yeah was excellent for them. Uh, meanwhile, Michael Hutchinson, he did play four games in the AHL and played quite well, mm-hmm. but he's found himself in this tweener position where he doesn't make a ton of sense as an AHL player for you. And he doesn't quite hack it as an NHL player for you either. So it's hard to find room for that guy. Because you want to be giving someone like Adam Werner a decent amount of starts with the Colorado Eagles. And that's something you can do with Hunter Miska a little bit easier, where you can kind of tandem those guys. So it, it could go either way. But I, I do agree with AJ. I lean towards Miska a little bit because I think he... He has a little bit more upside, or at very least, he's a little bit more of an unknown. We've seen what Michael Hutchinson is. We've seen what he's capable of. Sure, he won the Avs two NHL playoff games. That happened, but in my opinion, that was more about Hutchinson having a good team playing in front of him than than anything that particularly stood out about his play. So I would lean toward Miska as well as we keep moving up and down the Avs. Well, the fringes of their lineup, let's say. You get into the defense, there's not really a ton to talk about there. Uh, Mark Alt is the only expiring contract on their extended roster with the Colorado Eagles. While he was the captain of the Eagles, I don't expect a contract coming back for him. It doesn't make a ton of sense. The Avs already have plenty of defensemen in that regard, including Renouf, Lindholm, McDonald. Josh Anderson probably finally needs to make the jump to the AHL, even as a, a defensive defenseman that hasn't really lived up to the prospect hype. 
it all just doesn't quite fit anymore, especially with the abs having already committed to Jacob McDonald through 2022. So not a, a huge bunch of interest there. Uh, on the forward side of the fringes, Jason Megna as a UFA at the end of the year. It, bring him back or don't, it doesn't really matter. You can replace him with another fringe AHL, NHL tweener type player. So not super relevant. The interesting ones are the RFAs for the forwards. You have Logan O'Connor, which locked to be signed. I don't think there's any doubt about that. That's a guy that could compete for an NHL roster spot in training camp and next season. So he's going to get assigned. Nothing to even think about there. And then you have AJ Greer and Sheldon Dries. Uh, Dries being another one who played NHL games this season. We'll see. AJ, welcome back. Hello. Having the conversation about the Avs three RFA tweener forwards and O'Connor dries and Greer. I'd give them all qualifying offers. Yep. I I don't uh, disagree. Greer Greer and Dries should probably accept them. Um O'Connor should get a one way deal. Yeah. I, I'm okay with that. That of these three, the one legitimately competing for an NHL roster spot is O'Connor, is what was I was saying when you came back. So Yep. 100%. He's definitely a guy. Um, look, it, we're of two minds here. Uh, but Logan O'Connor had 16 regular season games where he was okay. He was, yeah. eh. He had two goals and no assists. He had five playoff games and one assist. And we all felt like Logan O'Connor was really good. Yep. And, you know, <sighs> We're seeing this a lot already where it's like, oh, well, the playoffs, you know, a playoff performance can't override an entire season, but it can. Because if a guy can't handle the postseason. I mean, I would argue even even if it doesn't override, Logan O'Connor's just okay in the regular season was better than the majority of the Avs forward call-ups. Oh, I would have taken Logan O'Connor 10 times out of 10 over TJ Tynan. Right. DJ so, Tynan came up for what seventeen or eighteen games and just too didn't long. do anything. Yeah, it was too long. Yeah, he just didn't do anything. So, a handful of games for Magna as well, where you didn't feel like anything was getting accomplished. So, yeah, and at this point, I would I would qualify Greer just because he's a he's a quality AHL player, and you never know, right? Let's. I mean, you qualify Greer, and maybe he ends up in a package for something down the line. Is kind of yeah. my look at it. Maybe he ends up in the Chris Begraw Ryan Graves swap right. that you're able to find someday for him. Sure. And if and if not, he's a quality AHL player. He's 23 years old. Like there doesn't need to be there doesn't need to be a rush to move on from him. You it's, don't let assets. Your expectations are just, yeah yeah. The expectations on him have just changed. You're no longer talking about him as an NHL prospect, asset, potential, whatever. You just appreciate the like that guy replaces going out and signing the Jason Magna replacement. You don't need to go sign another vet. Yep. You're already looking at AJ Greer as one of those guys. That's fine for me. Yep. That's that's pretty much where that is at on on the Avs fringes and extended parts of their roster. So is what it is. Uh, nothing major. 
either way, I think if someone like Logan O'Connor doesn't get signed, that would be extremely surprising and disappointing. But outside of that, whatever happens, you just kind of shrug your shoulders. Yeah. Uh, That's not, that's not whatever. Even if they decide not to qualify drives, you're just kind of like, okay. Okay. Sure. Yeah. I'd make the same argument for drives as I would Greer's. Those are your AHL veterans. Like those are your, in your top six somewhere. Veterans are, in the AHL can be 24 years old. It's fine. Yeah. Moving in to the real Avs roster, significant work to do on both the forward and the defensive side. Uh, let's start with some of the easy parts of the defense first. Mark Barbario already lots of rumors about him going to Sweden, potentially expectations. Switzerland. Switzerland sorry. Yeah. The SW. I was in the ballpark. Stupid American. Uh, <laughs> All European countries are the same. <laughs> so expectations are he's gone. The other one, Kevin Connaughton, if there was thought about bringing him back, boy, the playoffs didn't do him any favors. They really, they really didn't. Um, <clears throat> Connaughton is the tough one because I think we kind of touched on this in yesterday's show with yeah. McDonald's ability to kind of go do either Be thing. Inch body, yeah. Um, with with Connaughton, he just didn't show very well. All in all of his NHL time this year, and and yeah, it sucks that his call up came when he had to play defense against Connor McDavid. But when you get torched, you get torched, you know. Yeah. I mean, you have to at least be able to survive. Like yep. you're gonna you're gonna be on the ice against good players every night. It's the NHL. Yeah, that's just uh, that's part of the take, unfortunately. And given <laughs> no, dude, they're not telling us anything yeah. about injuries. We we won't get to know anything. I imagine yeah. for the most part, it's they've they're they're even more locked down about this than yeah. ever the bubble presented an opportunity to jump in and say, cool, you don't get any news about injuries. Yeah. So it is what it is on that front. Um, yeah. If Zadorov keeps taking Zadorov or his wife keeps taking pictures of him outside of, a uh, <laughs> outside of, outside of health clinics. Or yeah, whatever, random like, shots. <laughs> we're, we're really struggling to find information because the team just doesn't want, they don't ever want to say anything anyway, but now they've got, the cover of COVID that they just, no, they don't want to tell us a damn thing. So I think that's a good stopping place for the second period as looking like Barbario and Kanan probably not going to get signed in part because Connor Timmons and Bowen Byram exist. Yeah. But we can take our second period break there as it is time to talk about WGT golf. The number one golf game out there with more than 20 million players who love to play around the world. You can play a bunch of amazing courses, true to life like Pebble Beach, Beth Page, Black, and many others. We have tournaments every single weekend here at DNVR. Search for dnvrgolf.com and then find DNVR3, our third clubhouse, to join in, get in on the events, and win yourself some tournaments. Get the top of the leaderboard across all three clubhouses. They all play and compete against each other together. Together. So jump in DNVR3 now has uh, over 130 members. So we're talking about well over 600 people in all of our clubhouses. Jump in, join the fun. You can compete against us anytime. You can challenge other players and have fun with all of that. Highly recommend it. Join us before we have to start DNVR4. 
third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast, and we're presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Now we get into the real conversations, the real contracts and decisions that the abs have to make for this coming season. Let's start with Ryan Graves. We talked about it on yesterday's show. He's proven that he is a bona fide NHL defenseman. Probably played himself out of some money in the playoffs, though. Uh, yeah, and it's you know this was his this was his rookieish season too, right? Right. He played thirty games or something last year, but yeah, like sort of ish. Yeah, and. <clears throat> Certainly, his first time playing in the po- in the postseason, and they gave him they had to give him a big role, basically. Yep. Certainly, CJ um, went down. Tough um, trial by fire. There, tough tough go of it for him. Yeah. Uh, Colorado should be careful on that contract, as they always should have been. It was always like there was a world where halfway through the season, you could have talked yourself into a three or four year deal for Ryan Graves. Now there's no way. One of my, one of my, I think on January 1st, I wrote a bold predictions column. And I think, and one of them was that he was going to get a three-year contract. Would be real hard sell for me now. To yeah. Give him a three-year deal. Uh, I used Nick Holden as his comparable. Um, yeah. And then I adjusted for him. Uh, where the cash is now, yep, yep, yep. and it came out to a three-year deal at one point nine million, and that's that's even with the fact that Nick Holden was quite a bit more productive offensively. Yeah, um, I think it would be tough to do that now. I, uh, yeah, I, you can give him a one-year deal, and he's still RFA, right? So, yeah. That just seems like it may, it, certainly from the team side, it, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, and when you consider all the big money that they are going to have to spend, like this this summer or next, they're going to have to, they're going to have a Landeskog or Makar contracts on the books. Yep. Significant um, cap hits there. So those are, those are going to, those are going to have to start in the next calendar year. So that's, I mean that when you consider that uh, playing it safe with Ryan Graves and saying, "Hey, go out and do it again," it's as much about a, knowing, right? You have if once the McConnor and Landeskog deals are done, the Abs have a much better picture of what their cap hit looks like. Yeah, and then they can they can go because the next guy after that should be Burkowski. We'll get to that. Yeah, but with Graves, you got to be you got to be careful because. As we've talked about, that defense is already in transition. Um, we're already looking at possibly a Nikita Zadorov based trade. Um, so that makes Graves more valuable, more valuable. Yep. To you, um, because we're, if you just drop Byram and Timmons in there, like skill wise, is your defense better? Yes, but it's different. What are you're, you asking players to do from right. that standpoint? Because you're gonna lose you're gonna lose some size and you're gonna lose some of that inherent physicality. Like McCar will McCar will throw a hit, Byron will throw a hit, but those guys aren't guys that you would ever consider like people aren't 
looking Physical up at the blue defenders. line and seeing those guys and going, I think, twice about this. Right. They'll take their chances. Yeah. So, um, I'm, eh, we'll see, right? Yep. With Graves, I just think that definitely bring him back, but be careful with it. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Um, Reward him for the season that he's had. He certainly deserves to make $2 million, a million and a half. That's, you know, whatever. I mean, the other side of that one-year deal is if you overpay him a little bit, who cares? Yeah. An extra $500,000 on a one-year deal means very, very little. So For that for that guy, it would mean a lot to him personally, and it's it would be kind of a nice reward sure yeah but you also have to be careful because if you take if you take that extra five hundred thousand dollar approach with three or four guys then you've wasted some money sure you gotta be i mean i'm just saying you gotta how many of these guys are you signing to one-year deals i guess is the question we'll continue to answer here you kind of already mentioned zadorov expectation is he'll be qo'd just to retain his rights and then who knows? Will he get moved? Will they come to a contract agreement? I don't know. Yeah, this one got tougher too because you were thinking, okay, Graves Graves is replacing Zadorov. He's more consistent, does sort of the same thing, but doesn't, you know, provides you with more offense and doesn't provide you with the same level of frustrations that Zadorov does. Also, Zadorov's already making over $3 million and Graves is not. So, just balancing those two out, you're saying, okay, well, Graves is Graves is the more consistent, clear option, even if he's the lower ceiling player. You're getting you're getting most of his ceiling more often than you are Zadorov. And you're doing it at a third of the price. Yeah. And uh, the big question here. Well, not the big question, but part of the big question here is, look, the Avs have already had negotiations with Zadorov once, and they weren't the best. Last year's one-year deal took them 10 seconds to sign. Yep. And it was, and it totally felt like Zadorov banking on himself, yep. where the Avs were like, we want to do a one-year deal, and Zadorov was like, it's cool with me. Give me the money, and we'll readdress it next year. Yeah. It's next a guy, year. A guy like that, he, one good year, he makes $5 million. But the year just wasn't that good for him. So where does that sit? Where does Zadorov feel his worth is at? You know, if, if Zadorov says, look, I'll come back for another year at the same price. Easy. Signed, sealed, delivered. But I don't know how realistic that is. Yeah. So. <clears throat> I mean, it, look, if they could, if they could feel like they could get. I mean, at this point, Z- Zadorov is what he is. Yep. All this talk about potential and him living up to it, and and a, this is a pipe dream at this point. Yeah, he's 25 now. He'll be 26 halfway through next season. And that's so. not it's not like you bury the guy, but you're talking about a guy who is he has 356 regular season games and 33 postseason games. So. This is a dude who is pushing 400 games played in the NHL. He's an NHLer, and you live with the problems in his game that he has. Right. He's a physical defender on the outside. He's a good defender when 
he can keep it simple and all he has to do is is defend the one guy at a time. He's not very good in team defense. He's not any good in front of his own net. All of that physicality just disappears. We see it time and time again. He's not very good on the PK because of it. It just, you know, there he's got strengths and weaknesses like everybody else. So, you know, Z is just Z is just a guy that he is who he is at this point. And anybody anybody that continues to dream on potential and upside, like I I appreciate your optimism, but you're being unrealistic. It's it's kind of funny because Brian Graves is kind of the same guy. He's a month younger than Nikita Zadorov. And while he doesn't have the NHL experience, this is a guy in the prime of his career. He's not he doesn't have the growth that a younger player does left in his game. Yeah. So when you're looking at the abs decision making, which for the most part comes down to Graves and Zadorov, you could throw Ian Cole in there a little bit too. They are what they're going to be. And that's what you need to make your decisions off of in the immediate if you're the abs. Because not only is that the case, but the abs are trying to win a cup right now. Yeah. It's go time. Yeah. Not, you know, oh, this guy will be good in three years. Uh, so that's that's <clears> the <throat> defensive side of the conversation on guys the abs need to extend other than potential Kale McCarr talk, which I'm sure we'll get to over the next month or so. Uh, the forward side... Vlad Kamenev has already signed in the KHL, so he is gone. Would you give him a qualifying offer just to retain his rights? How many contracts do the Avs have? 46? Probably not. I wouldn't either. If the Avs had like 42 contracts or something, sure. You give him a qualifying offer for a year, just who knows. But I'm, I mean, I even then, I don't think I would. I would just be done because with it. Because it's yeah. going to, I mean, he's not coming back in a year, you know? Uh, it's the uh, same kind of conversation with AJ Greer there. Maybe he's like an extra throw in piece that someone has found interesting. Yeah. But it, not significantly impactful at all. So that is yeah, what it just, is. I would just let it be. Uh, the two, well, we'll start with Matt Nieto. Expectation there. Probably done. You can get what that guy yeah. gives you for cheaper instead of paying him UFA money. Yeah, I mean, Matt Nieto, Logan O'Connor, um, the big difference there is that Matt Nieto has produced a string of 20-point seasons, and Logan O'Connor hasn't even come close to that kind of pace yep. in his limited time. So um, as much as we're like, oh, Logan O'Connor can do the same job, like, Lo- like Matt Nieto produces offensively for a fourth-liner at an acceptable rate. You need to... If Logan O'Connor is going to take that job, he needs to produce offense. I do. You cannot have black holes on your offensive in your in your forward core. You just can't do it. I agree. Why well, is that? He's just got to let go. I do wonder if it's Martin Cout replacing that spot in the lineup. I understand if you put Cout in, you're replacing that with something that's going to play very differently. Oh yeah. You're not. That's not a guy who's going to burn you with speed all day. Yeah. But but he's got way more smarts and skill. Right, exactly. You're filling, in the broad sense of filling a bottom six role, very replaceable. In the exact way that Matt Nieto does it, Logan O'Connor fits that mold a lot better. Um, 
it could go either way. Honestly, but I think Martin Kaut's the better player and he should get first crack. I I'm 100% with you on that. And it's it's more that I think Martin Kaut's going to replace this next guy on our list here. <laughs> Vlad Nemesnikov? Yeah. Yeah. And also we had this conversation a bunch after he was acquired and he started playing very well in the regular season for the Avs. Free agency. He's 27. This is the one time he has to really get a lot of money. And it's realistically not money the Avs are going to want to pay him to be a third-line guy most of the time, probably. Yeah. And his playoffs kind of marred by the fact that he got hurt early on. And even Jared Bednar said in one of his pressers that he never really recovered. Yeah, was the same after that. Um, so you and and even then he scored twice in Game Seven. Yep, like he yeah. had his moment, which was nice. <laughs> it was nice to see a moment because otherwise during the playoffs it wasn't very good for Nemesnikov. During the regular season it was great. Uh, he's a quality player that fits very well with them. Just in on the on the whole, his usage was bizarre. He was a top flight PK guy in Ottawa and comes to Colorado and doesn't ever play on the PK. Yeah. Um, so that's, I, I think, I would love to know what the hell Jared Bender was thinking there. Um, doesn't, sort of odd. Yep, definitely weird. Because it's not, it's not like he wasn't already rotating guy. I mean, like, Jost and Donskoy were randomly getting PK minutes towards the end of the year, too, and it was just kind of, I don't know. I'd let him go. I'd let him test the market. If he can't find a market, um, you know, two weeks in or whatever. And you maybe say, you hey, come back around and you're like, Hey, we'll give you, we'll, you know, here's $3 million for a year or two or whatever. <clears throat> or yeah. Kind of like what Colin Wilson did, you know, where Colin yeah. Wilson was like, I like it here. I'm comfortable here. The team liked him, but said, Hey, we're not going to pay you anywhere close to what you were making. Do you want to give this another whirl? And, you know, if Nemestikov took a one-year deal, at, if he replaced Colin Wilson's contract, a one-year deal at $2.6 million, I wouldn't have any poems about that. Yeah, I, if he wants to take a pay cut, if he doesn't want a, big a long-term cut. commitment, that's fine. He, he can come yeah. back and he can be a very effective piece in the Avs' bottom six. The reason I think most people are talking about moving <clears> on from him is because it's not going to be cost-effective. Yeah, you're talking about a multi-year deal north of $3 million and potentially in that $4 million range. On an Avs team that already has two of those contracts in Jonas Donskoy and JT Comfer. Yeah. So uh, with him, I think it, that's a you're comfortable letting him go and if, you know, if the fate's just aligned in a certain way, maybe you could make it so that he comes back. Yeah. I agree with that. I think that's realistic for that player. But what is realistic for the next two? Tyson Jost, Val Nichushkin. Nichushkin, a similar story to a lot of guys that we talked about so far. Is he an NHL player? Yeah, he sure looks like it. Has he earned a contract? Yeah, I think so. Boy, did that offense disappear in the playoffs, though. Yeah, I mean, I think they're they're in the same boat for me. You you give them both, um, you give them both qualifying offers, and you keep them. Well, yeah, that, um, that part for sure. Any anybody anybody that thinks you just cut them loose and you move on doesn't know what they're talking about. Um, twenty 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 one year old players who can 
who can be cost effective bottom of, of the lineup players for you are still valuable in the league. You know, the fact that you're mad that he was a 10th overall pick, that's your problem. You got to get over that. Um, looking at what Jokes could have been, what where he was drafted, all of that, it's just, it's a waste of time. It's white noise. You're getting lost in stuff that doesn't matter anymore. The reality is of it, it, that matters is who Jost is as a player, how he can help the team now. I I would he's an easy qualifying offer. There's no doubt about that. You give him the qualifying offer. I would look to move him and Zadorov in a deal together. I don't necessarily disagree with that. Just looking at production here, you already mentioned it with Matt Nieto, consistent twenty point player. Yeah. Tyson Jost NHL career twenty two, twenty six, twenty three points. Matt Nieto's last contract was two years at 1.975. Throw that at Jost adjusted for inflation or whatever. Yeah. And then you can move him if you want to move him. I would give him two years of 2 million. Yeah. Um, given the, some of the contract comps that we've seen that have happened already uh, between Troy Terry, Sonny Milano and Anders Bjork. Um, it just makes sense. Yeah. Easily. Um, Nachushian, same thing. Elite defensive impacts, and if you can get 27 points out of him again, then you're totally pleased. You have no problems with that. For for me, if he's gonna if you're gonna keep him around because he has elite D, he has he gives you elite defense from the wing, play him on the damn PK. Yeah. That one two is there a thought to a one year deal on Nuke given that he's twenty five? Oh yeah. I would wanna I would I would only give him a one year deal. Only okay. give him a one year deal. And make him repeat that season. And then if he can go out and he gives you 27 points again, then you can have the multi-year conversation. If he goes out and gives you 35 points, then you're having a multi-year conversation no matter what. If he goes out and gives you 12 points, then you're probably cutting bait. Because then he's more of the guy that you picked up off the scrap heap than the guy that was a revelation for you. So... This is easy. You You just... Keep it you, simple. Don't yeah, do anything funny. Keep those guys around, um, because you're talking. You're talking about short. You're talking about like quality, like bottom six guys who can help you and can give you a little bit of offense. And you're not reverting back to the Gabe Bork days where you're you've got a fourth line guy that can only play a couple minutes a game because otherwise he gets crushed. The exact type of player you don't want to commit long-term to. It's why when the Avs didn't get Ryan Carpenter last offseason and Chicago signed him to a three-year deal, everyone was like, oh, okay. Good luck with that, yeah. Chicago. Because because you don't you don't commit to those guys for three years. Even like the, the Belmar two-year Calvert three-year thing, like that stuff has to be done for them. Yep. So... That's like that. Just that has to be done. Yeah, I agree. It's especially given the Cowts, the Logan O'Connors, the Shane Bowers that are coming. Right. Alex. Oh my God, dude! Gabe Gabe Bork has fourteen points in the last two seasons. Incredible. The last three seasons combined, he has. I guess you can even go back four seasons because he had that one year. He played six whole games for the Abs. Yeah. You go all the way back. He has 25 points. This is why I'm saying there's value in fourth-line guys that give you 20 points. Yep. And, sure. and could still play solid defense for you. Like, 
Tyson Jost isn't a fan favorite or anything, but the guy's the guy's data doesn't lie. His underlying numbers don't lie. He's a decent defensive player. And at 21 years old, he's gotten better every year on that aspect. If he becomes a good defensive player and his offense doesn't develop one iota and he averages 25 points a year, he's, he's still, still a valuable fourth line player. player. Yeah, exactly. So, and those are guys that those are guys that you can keep around for pretty cheap, especially if you grow them in house. Yep. Is that what you want to be using tenth overall picks on? No, of course not. But at that point, the ship has sailed, and he is who he is. Yep. The same thing with Nachushkin, where if he can if he can repeat the offense that he had last year, you're fine with that. You and you just keep running it back with that guy in your bottom six. Mm-hmm. It's that simple, and and this is how teams do it. They run those guys back. Eventually, those guys hit UFA, and they want to go get paid. And some team has the space to pay them. Right. It's how the Abs ended up with Matt Calvert, and it's why Matt Nieto will will leave is because the Abs claimed Matt Nieto on waivers because yep. San Jose was too deep. Yep. They had a bunch of guys, including Ryan Carpenter, who they would later lose on waivers to Vegas. <laughs> so. You know, like Matt, like they got Matt Nieto. They squeezed all of his RFA years out of him. They got quality play. He's a, he's a solid player, and now you know he's solid for what he is. Right, like that guy's not going to change a franchise. Yep. But when you're looking at improving your fourth line, there's a lot worse out there. There's a whole lot worse out there. There so, are teams that there are teams that would straight cut dudes to get Colorado's fourth line right now. And even some of their depth. Heartbeat. Winnipeg had Gabe Bork playing third line minutes at times this year. So. Yeah, like <laughs> it. It is you, what it is. That guy. That guy plays fifty games for you. You have a depth problem. Yep. We do need to move on as we're approaching the hour mark here. One last final big one: Andre Burakovsky. Obviously, he qualifying. Right. No brainer qualifying. The question here is how much term do you give him and where are you comfortable with money? For me, it's about three years. Um, I'm, I'm, for me, I'm comfortable at three years, four and a half million. That's kind of where I've settled on it. I've come around to the four and a half million over the past couple months. I, if they, if he wants five and it's going to take five to get him, you do it. But yeah, agreed anything more than five starts to feel real sketchy with the flat cap. Um, I that would take, that would take a substantial term for me. Like if it was, if we were going to do $5 million, I want six years or something. Yeah, like, sure. That it needs to be to the point where it's like significant value on the back end. That's and then, his, and his think, UFA years. You're just laughing to the bank because the guy is giving you 25 goals a year. That's, where we differ a little bit. I would, I still think you push for a little bit of term on this guy. Um, four or five years, I think would be great, especially when you're looking at, Hey, look, you were willing to give JT Confer and Jonas Donskoy four years. Yeah. This guy, Donskoy, they probably had to do because of the sure, UFA, UFA, but sure. But Confer, Confer was a self-inflicted wound. And, and that's, that's the question, you know, if, if the Avs say, Hey, we want five years and Burakovsky goes, okay, I want $6 million. Then you go, okay, no, <laughs> but if he's willing to negotiate for a longer term deal, then I think the app should be in on it heavily. And if they, if his camp came back with a five, five, would you take that? A five, five. Yeah, I would. Yeah, me too. 
and I think absolutely would not want to go any shorter than three years. Uh, I would agree. And, yeah. and that, just that giving them a chance to earn more money at, at that point. Yeah. <clears throat> that the, the reason why I would prefer three years because it gets him to the end of McKinnon's yep. deal. And then you, by that point you have a really solid idea. Like your okay, conversations uh, at the end of McKinnon's deal are, you're going to sign whatever you can sign. That's a, <laughs> you're going to have yeah. to do some stuff when McKinnon needs an extended contract. Yeah. So you deal with that problem when you get there. <laughs> um, Boy, it would help if that cap jumped about 15 yeah, million that year. That Seattle money comes in. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I don't think for the most part, I don't think the abs offseason in-house work is that complicated. No, they just need to get it done. Make sure they have solid numbers on guys and know where they stand. So when it comes to what else they're doing, whether that be a goaltender, whether that be a top six forward, whether it be Alex Petrangelo, they know how much money they have and they need to have at least decent ideas. TJ Brody, sure. At least decent ideas on where Landis Gog and Makar stand too. Mm -hmm. And then you work with what you have. I think it's that straightforward. So we'll see. We'll see what the Avs do in about a month's time. Maybe they'll have moves before then. Who knows? But AJ, any any final thoughts on on GM Joe Sackick and and the Avs work to do this off season? Uh, he got snubbed in the uh, in the vote for the, GM, the year. GM of the year. But ultimately, who the hell cares? You're trying to win a Stanley Cup, not a GM of the year award. True that. Um. Beyond that, this is going to be a fun off season. There's a lot of stuff that they can do, and I'm, I'm excited for us to talk about it every day. And I mean, I'm, it sucks that we're here and they're not still playing, but now it's time to make the best of it. It's going to be a fun off season. That's right. Draft going to be a going to be a big off season. Out the wazoo. We got draft coverage. We got player mm. season reviews. We got all sorts of articles coming y'all's way. So get ready. Gear up. Hockey never quits around here. Uh, excited right. for it. If you're not already subscribed to the YouTube channel, if you don't watch these on the YouTube, it's the best way to do it. Highly recommend it, and it helps us out a bunch. So give us a subscribe. Like the videos over there. Much appreciated. We are out of here for the day. Thank you, everyone, for listening, watching, however you consume the pod. And until next time, we will talk to you later.